welcome to episode 24 of Coffee and Co-Read, your source for all things literary with Catherine and Kristen, where we believe there is nothing better than a hot coffee and an awesome book. Join us for our virtual book club where we take one book a month and dive into all the drama, adventure, and romance we can find. Hi, Catherine. Hey, Kristen. Uh, so I guess today's episode, we are going to talk about our three, um, main species in our book, Vampire Academy, that we're talking about. Yeah, so I guess the first ones, and the ones that we just haven't really met yet so far in the book, are Strigoi, and they're basically like your typical traditional vampires. They're undead, they're immortal, selfish, powerful, fast. They drink blood, and they kill people. Um, they are made instead of born, which is common for most vampire tropes. And uh, any being can be turned into a strigoi. So it doesn't matter if you're already a type of vampire, you can still be turned into one. Um, the strigoi just has to like bite the person or Maroi or Dampier, and then they have to drink the strigoi's blood. So it's, it is a common vampire theme i'll say um the only ways to actually kill estragoy is to decapitate them um a silver stake to the heart or setting them on fire so sounds hard yeah and apparently too like shoving the silver stake into their heart requires a shit ton of strength too it's not just like dude you have to really go for it yeah you gotta Either go under the ribs because they're in the way, or you gotta yeah. like get it through ribs or something. Yeah. So, there's a lot to it. Yeah. Um, we also have the Maroi. So the Maroi is sort of one of our main uh species. Our one of our main characters, Lissa, uh, is a Maroi. So these guys are like a different kind of vampire. So they still drink blood as sort of their main source of um, sustenance. Yeah, sustenance. But um, they don't kill anyone. Like they don't drain people dry. They just take enough to get them through their day and that's it. Um, if they do drain someone dry and kill them, that automatically turns them into a strigoi. So like, the act of killing someone automatically turns them, I guess, like evil, we'll say. <laughs> um, this type of vampire, it is born, like they are born, they're born from their parents. Um, so Maroys need to procreate with each other to have more Maroy. Mm -hmm. uh, and they are typically, uh, they have like control over an elemental magic. So, Earth, wind, water, or fire. Um, they live like a normal lifespan. They're not immortal. Um, and they also, they're not, they don't have exceptional speed or strength or anything like that. So that's why sort of in our, in the book, we hear a lot about um, them needing to be protected from Strigoi. And that's why, because the Strigoi are really strong, really fast in comparison. Mm -hmm. um, yep. 
The Maroi are um, their monarchy, so they have um, a king or a queen, and there are actually, I think it's 12 different royal families that are all like princes and princesses, and then the king or queen of the Maroi is chosen from one of those 12 families. Um it's not a normal type of succession where, okay, this family is ruling right now. So then one member is the king. And then if they have a kid, their kid becomes king or queen. Like that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. It's there's someone from one family is the king or queen. And then they have to pass it to a different family, which I think is actually a really cool idea. Yeah. It's smart for having a monarchy. Yeah, like you're not going to get one family. Like, I just, I feel like it's a good way to protect. Yeah, there's no, you wouldn't have one family dominating. Yeah. So, yeah. So the non-royal Maroi are sort of considered lower class. And there is a lot of classism amongst Mm -hmm. them. So um, we talk about it a lot in the school, how sort of, elitist the the royals are like the royal students uh and that tracks throughout their i guess society yeah yeah so then the third species are dampier and that is what our main character um rose is a dampier so she's half human half maroi and they are trained to be bodyguards for Maroi since they're stronger and faster than them. So their job is basically to protect the Strigoi, no, protect the Maroi from Strigoi. And Dampiers can't have children on their own. Like two Dampiers cannot produce a child. They're, they're basically like, sterile. Yeah, they, what, in the book, doesn't Rose, she compares them to um, mules. Mules, yeah. Yeah. So, but there's a weird thing where if, like, a Dampier and a Maroi have a child, it's just it's just another Dampier. Like, there is no three-quarter Maroi, a quarter Dampier. So, yeah. it's, like, the only way for them to continue as a species is for the Dampier and the Maroi to have children together. So, that's kind of why they are accepting of their role as guardians i'll say um and that's why like this society has like raised them to protect the marae so dampiers don't drink blood uh, they eat regular food and basically they're like i said they're trained from a very young age to be guardians uh yeah we should also mention too that um maroi and dampier can both go out in the sun mm-hmm. yes Strigoi cannot. Strigoi can only come out at night, but both Maroi and Dampier can go out in the sun and be okay. Um, I think for Maroi, the sun is sort of like hurts their eyes a little bit and a bit stingy, but it's, it's draining. Yeah, it's passable. But, yeah. Um, but they have, I guess, because nighttime is more comfortable for the Maroi, um, they do function on a opposite schedule nocturnal yeah not they're nocturnal so you know when they're in the book when they're at school 
and they're saying, oh, we're getting up in the morning to go to class. Like we mean they're getting up at eight o'clock in the night Mm -hmm. to go to class. And that's when they start their day. Yeah. Um, so we are going to get started. So, but just a heads up, we are not a spoiler free zone and things could get a little saucy. Uh, we also want to put in a trigger warning this week for cutting, uh, and talk of suicide. Um, uh, we will link that in our description uh, when you want to skip ahead to to avoid that. So uh, this week we are talking chapters 7 to 12. Uh, so at the end of last week, um, we sort of get, we were getting our first glimpse into this uh, school and this schedule and this sort of expectation that Rose and Lissa ran away from. Um, we know that Lissa was in danger. They don't know from what, but Rose thought that Lissa was in danger. So she kidnapped her and they were on the run for a couple of years. Uh, they finally were found and brought back by uh, Lissa's new guardian, Uh, whose name is Dimitri. And we just get a lot of sort of like petty school stuff last week, didn't we? Mm -hmm. It was a lot of, I don't know, back and forth and them trying to sort of find their place in the school again. I do feel like the series has a lot of that in it Mm -hmm. until we leave school. Yeah. Well, and then we still have it, if I'm being honest. (laughs) It was, I haven't, finished the series in probably four years now but once they leave school i think there's still yeah it's a very attitudes it is it's a very high school caddy attitude amongst the maroi in general yeah it's their class system really it's like the royals and then it's the non-royals and then it's dampier and then it's blood whore dampier and then it's humans yeah so there's a lot of class shit going on yeah for sure uh so this week we start off with sort of like a over the next couple of weeks sort of scenario Mm -hmm. um rose is sort of uh getting back into the routine of the academy um remember she's sort of on lockdown so she's not really allowed to do anything except for go to class take extra training classes with Dimitri, and then she has to go home and hole up in her dorm. She is not allowed to do shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she's mostly staying out of trouble. Um, But, you know, she's still, she's a big old flirt. (laughs) So she's doing a lot of flirting and chatting with the popular crowds. Her and Lissa were once sort of a part of that, that inner circle. So... Um, you know, Rose is, is, she's in her element, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like she likes like flirting and, and being sarcastic and chatty with the, with the popular crowds. Like she's just one of those people that are naturally um, popular. Yeah. She's very outgoing, but also she doesn't cool. need to be the cent. Yeah. But she does need to be their center of attention a lot of the time too. It's like. Yeah. I feel like it would it would feel overwhelming if you were her friend and you didn't want to be the center of attention. 
Yeah. I do love her, obviously, but it's just like complex characters and there's a lot to her. Yeah. I, uh, I just like reading, obviously, like, I don't feel this way anymore, but when I was in high school, hmm. I could imagine like I don't think I was reading this in high school but I feel like if I was she would be the type of person I wish I was in high school yeah because it's like she doesn't care about being cool because she in this society can't really be cool but she is because she's not trying to be and because she's such a badass and she's so quick-witted like it's it's all of those things yeah it's true she's she's nonchalant she's quick-witted she's just one of those people that you like you do you like I wish I could have been her in high school because Mm -hmm. not that I like had a really rough time in high school it wasn't amazing but like it wasn't the worst like I managed to get through it yeah but um yeah I like you know how you always want to be in with that crowd and like, yeah. no matter what you do, you can't get in with them. She is in with them. Yeah. And like, I think part of it is just because she's conventionally attractive. Yeah, could be. Well, unconventionally in their world, but in our world as well, like a lot of it is that. And then she's just different from, obviously the royals are are like trying to uphold their reputations and their family values and whatever in school. And she doesn't have to worry about that because she doesn't have to get into the politics of it. Right. Anyway. So yeah. So Rose is like loving her life, getting in with the popular crowd again, chatting and, you know, just taking it one day at a time. Um, She's training all the time and she says she's getting stronger but Dimitri, who she's supposed to be taking extra classes with to catch her up, because she did miss two years of training, doesn't really make her do very much except for run. Mm. Like, she literally goes in, they warm up, and she runs. Or she'll do, like, strength training. But, like, mostly it's just running laps. Yeah. So we, I guess, come into a conversation they're having uh, and she questions him like why is uh, why is it I'm only running like I need you to teach me how to fight and he sort of says to her he's like if you were at the mall with Lissa and you ran into a Strigoi what would you do and she was like okay well you know I would have a special I would kill him with a special silver steak or I would cut off its head or I would light it on fire and he says well <laughs> He says, like, what if you didn't have any of those things? Yeah. And are you just gonna carry around an axe in the mall? I don't know which malls you've been to lately, but generally frowned upon. Yeah, and they're also not just gonna stand there while you like light them on fire. Yeah. Right? It's like <laughs> I, was you get little... of, I was thinking of mall security just standing there while you light someone else on fire. I wasn't even thinking of what the Strigoi was gonna do. I was like no, I think they probably wouldn't rush in. They're not getting paid enough for this. Yeah. No, I was thinking this Strigoi. They're literally not going to stand there while you like light your match and then go, hey, yeah. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I guess Dimitri's point is her best bet is to run. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's 
her best bet is to run away and she needs to have the speed and the stamina to do that considering Strigoi are stronger and faster. Mm-hmm. So I guess he decides he's going to actually run with her today. So they go running like around a track and she wants to impress him. He is like sort of known as a god among Dampier. So she pushes herself further and shaves two minutes off her best time. So she's really impressed. Uh, And then all of a sudden she gets this like spike of fear and she immediately knows that it's Lissa and Lissa's in trouble. So again, if you forgot about last week, we've um, discussed that her and Lissa have a special bond where she can feel Lissa's emotions at high points and low points. So when Lissa's in trouble, she sort of can feel it as her own emotion, if that makes sense. Uh, So she feels this spike of fear, knows that Lissa is in trouble, so she races to the dorms. Um, Demetria, I will say, is really um, supportive here. Like, And all the times that she Mm -hmm. sort of is intuitive with Lissa's emotions, all she has to do is say Lissa, and they're both off and running. He trusts her feelings on it implicitly, which I yeah. really appreciate. Um, so she races to the dorms and finds her uh, in her room, and Lissa's freaking out. Someone had slit a fox's throat and put it on her pillow in the room. On her that pillow. She, her pillow. Oh. Uh, in the room she shares with Natalie, who's sort of like her cousin-ish, like her honorary cousin, we'll say. Yeah, she's from a different royal bloodline, but they call each other cousins. And I'm guessing there's like probably a lot of interbreeding. Most people are trying not to like marry outside of royal families. So yeah, there's probably um, some relationship somewhere. Oh, guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, she also says, so she, I guess she was, shocked but managed to say that tell uh rose that the fox was still alive and twitching when she found it which so either somebody slid its throat immediately before she came up or it was dying a very slow death which is so sad and gross and yeah poor little foxy yeah um, I guess we learn now that like Lissa really loves animals and has an affinity for animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they love her back. Like she loves them, but they also flock to her as well. So this like really hit her. Like not that it wouldn't hit all of us in a similar way, but she was really affected by it. Um, Rose and Lissa have this like cryptic conversation that we don't understand about a crow, uh, which is just an interesting little thing to a little tidbit to point out because again, we have no idea what they're talking about at this point. It's something that does get um, revealed later on. Uh, I guess the school administration is what I call them. The headmistress thinks this is, all just a prank and she's gonna go question the students and i just like that's a really gross prank like who would you think i just feel like if you actually have a student who would do that then they're seriously disturbed well they're on their way to be a 
serial killer, basically. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I feel like she's not taking it as seriously as... Agreed. And especially since, like, they told her that they ran away because they were afraid for Lissa's life. And now they came back and this is happening shortly after. And she's like, it's just a prank. Students are students. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. She's a moron. I would not want her to be in my administration. No. Um, I guess Dimitri sort of like chats with Rose about it. Um, and he says, you know, I know that that you felt her in being in danger and before we actually found her. So do you can you think of anybody that would want to hurt Lissa at this point? Um, and she says she doesn't know. Because even though they've made, I'm not going to say enemies, like, you know, there is somebody that they're fighting with, that girl mm-hmm. Mia, and they don't know why she's so angry at them. Mm-hmm. But she is very angry at Lissa for some unknown reason. It has been like a really big bitch to them since they got back. But she says she doesn't think it would be her, that that's sort of not her style. Like, she's not that type of mean girl. Well, yeah. I guess it's hard too because like obviously all these all these Maroi do drink blood from humans so it's not I don't know maybe blood isn't so crazy for them because like I can't imagine slitting an animal's throat (laughs) no so I don't know um Dimitri sort of gets annoyed with her and he was like listen we're on the same side and if there's something that you know you should tell me. And that really like pisses her off because she's sort of, they're sort of treating her like a child in that she's not technically Lissa's guardian yet. And they're threatening that she won't get to be her guardian and blah, blah, blah. But like Dimitri then wants her cooperation and wants her knowledge and, and what she knows. So it's like, you got to pick one. Mm-hmm. Either she's too immature to be consulted and to be treated like a reasonable guardian or she's a, it's appropriate to treat her that way. So like she's either yeah. inappropriate for the role or appropriate. And I feel like they sometimes walk a weird line. Yeah, definitely. That's I think the moral of this <laughs> series. <laughs> um, so yeah, so she gets pissed off and she yells at him like, you're just teaching me to run, teach me to fight so that I can protect her. And she sort of says like, I already know how to run away. Like I need to know how to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does, he sort of like says that it would, it would, you would need more training. Like it would have to be training on top of training. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes to, this is something that I don't understand. Like, after tragedies and like after big events like this, they still all just go to class. Yeah. <laughs> like if something guess... like this happened at my school, I feel like they would cancel class for the day. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's in their dorm. So I could see them canceling it for Lissa and Natalie, but maybe not for everyone else. Maybe. But uh, anyway, so during class that day, she has hand-to-hand combat training. So her she's so pissed off and angry that she fights stronger and better 
and she wins her first hand-to-hand combat since coming back mm-hmm. from being away for two years. So she's sort of like pumped up. Uh, I guess they're sitting down at lunch with Natalie, who wouldn't shut up about the fox. And it's just like, girl, come on, you're being a moron. Yeah. Like, can't you? It seems like she's not very good at social cues. That's true. Yeah. I I can definitely see that. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess Rose and Lissa are sort of talking about it, and Lissa's, you know, admitting that. During her Maroi only classes, she was teased a little bit for the fox, but like it's not anything she can't handle. And while they're talking, uh, Jesse approaches. So Jesse is a royal Maroi that we met last week when Rose flirted with him, and she mentioned that he is like uber hot, like yeah. hotter than hot. Um, so he just mentions to Rose that he'll be in her dorm room, her, like, I guess her dorm building later for a group project and sort of says like, do you know, do you want to meet up? And she's like, heck yeah, because she wants to hook up with him. Yeah. Because he's super hot. Anyway, um, I guess they later on during the day, uh, they have animal behaviors class and I just don't understand why this is a necessary class. Why do they need to take this? I, so I didn't really think it was odd until you mentioned it, <laughs> but I kind of thought that it was like about hunting and like, but I don't understand why the Maroi take it. Like I can, I can kind of understand why the Dompiers would take it. Cause it, it feels like maybe it, you could learn something from how animals hunt other animals that you could maybe put into practice but I don't really know maybe and the other thing is maybe it's just an elective that they got stuck in because they weren't I I guess I don't know it just seems like the most pointless class ever to give you some context in that class they were talking about how wolves like how there's an alpha wolf pair and like they mate and then everybody else is their subordinates and like why well, I just don't understand why this is necessary it to me it just feels plot driven yeah like they need to know about wolves so they oh let's put in an animal behaviors class like that doesn't seem like it would be effective for anything useful in real life yeah do they need to know about wolves <sighs> They need. They mention it later on, like a little bit. Oh, okay. I don't know. Anyway. anyway, um. So yeah. So they're in this class, this pointless class, uh, <laughs> talking about the wolves, and Mia, to be a shit disturber, brings up foxes and says, "Oh, are the wolves are foxes like wolves?" <laughs> and I just don't understand. Where is the teacher in this? Yeah. Like, obviously, the staff would have to know what happened. Yeah. And and then Mia says this, like, if I were a teacher, I'd be like, get the hell out. You're being 100%. a shit stirrer. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like the staff at this school are useless. Well, and, like, nobody's taking it as the traumatic event that it is. Like, is Lissa supposed to just go back and sleep on the same bed? One would hope a different pillow. But, like, there was a dead fox on her pillow. That's 
extra at best. Like, yeah, I, you'd be traumatized. Like, how are you just supposed to go lie on that pillow now? Yeah, no, no, thank you. Anyway, so then after Mia like brings this up and is a big old shit disturber, some other dude literally walks up to Lissa in the middle of class. Like, class is not over. <laughs> and suggests to her that she killed the fox herself. <laughs> or better yet, that Rose killed it for her for attention and then called them lesbians. The biggest, not the biggest issue I have with this, but the the part of this that is so dumb is that they're like, oh, you did this for attention. You're such an attention seeker, but I'm also going to give you attention. Like you're yeah. giving them what you think you want. they want. So why? Like that part doesn't make sense. No. But also the fact that this guy randomly thinks that two girls cannot be friends without being lesbians. Well, yeah, that too. He's a jackass. Like, oh, they're close. So must be. Yeah. Only explanation. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Anyway. Um, then all of a sudden he caught fire. Woo. I know. It was a happy day. I'm happy about that. Uh, yeah. Um, and like, I guess we're in Rose's mind for all this. So she's like looking at the process of elimination of knowing who does what type of magic. Uh, and turns out it was Christian. So Christian Ozera uh, is Lissa's friend? Like, Churchmate. Churchmate, Church yeah. Attic hideout yeah. co-squatter. Yeah, they share a little hidey, <laughs> little hidey area together. Um, he obviously has a thing for her. Yes. So, yeah, so... Christian did it, lit him on fire with his magic, and then he put it out again. Uh, and then all of a sudden the teacher gets involved and sends him to the office. <laughs> God. <sighs> Good timing, brah. Yeah, way to go. You're a real keeper. Anyway, um, this is even more sort of scandalous because apparently the Maroi don't use their magic offensively. So really, they only use their magic for peace. They never use it to protect themselves, which to me is stupid. Mm -hmm. You have magic. You are being hunted down by these Strigoi people that are stronger than you in virtually every way except for this one thing. And yet you're not going to use it? Like, it's stupid. Yeah. I think it's all, everything comes back to class. Yeah. class issues so they're like oh we're royal we shouldn't have to and then the non-royals were probably like well if you don't have to then we don't have to and then over the years just got rid of it i guess anyway so apparently like they don't even know the spells to make to do to use their magic offensively so it's like a super taboo thing it's just not done ever is it illegal I, no, I don't think they talk about it as being illegal. I don't think there are any laws in place. I think it's just it's just not something they do. Yeah, okay. Um. So I guess after he leaves and after class is over, uh, Rose asks Lissa if she hung out with Christian again. Um, and she had. Lissa had hung out with him again. And Rose pissed because Rose told her to steer clear of him. <laughs> But Lissa was like, 
And then she was mad for the fact that she did see him again. But Lissa was like, it was your decision not to see him again, not mine. Like, I want to hang out with him again. And I guess Rose was sort of like, is there something like romantic going on between you? And Lissa's like, no, definitely not. But he's not bad. Like, he's not a bad person. Mm -hmm. So that sort of like, they left sort of left each other not on great terms. Yeah. Um, so later that afternoon, and again, Rose is stuck in her dorm at all times if she's not in class. Um, so I guess later in the afternoon, she was worried about Lissa. So she did this like meditative, you know, slow breathing, concentrated breathing to pop into her mind because we know she can do that too and see where she was going and what she was doing. And she managed to do it. And sure enough, Lissa is sneaking into the chapel room to meet up with Christian. And his first words were, you're late. Which obviously insinuates that they had planned their meeting. Yeah. Um, And he just, I guess she sort of asked him like if he was okay and what they're going to do to him. And he said he got suspended for a whole week for the stunt he pulled, which is like, it's not terrible. No, suspension is such a, like, I don't want to say silly thing, but it kind of is. Like, kids don't want to go to school. No. Keeping them out of school <laughs> isn't really a punishment. No, that's true. 100%, I agree. Like, in certain cases, I think it's, uh, you know, like, if the kids don't live in a great household or... Well, yes, but then it's it's not it's not the right kind of punishment anyway. Like, right. if, if a kid is not in a good household, then keeping them away from school is damaging them in much worse ways than, like, in-school suspension, I guess, makes a bit more sense. But, like, yeah. in a place like this, you'd think that they'd just be like, you're not allowed out after school. Like, yeah. roses for a week, basically. But, and, and in all fairness, that could very well be what he has yeah. to do, right? They might not just not be like stalking him as much as they're stalking Rose. Yeah. She's a known well, and rebel. <laughs> well, yeah. And Christian's also like he is a royal, even though people like mm. to forget it. He yeah. is one. So, uh, so, you know, he might get a little bit of leeway. Yeah. Um, so I guess Christian sort of admits that he lit that guy on fire for her. For Lissa. And it's just one of those, like, oh, you defended me moments. And, like, I kind of like it, but at the same time, she didn't ask for your help, dude. Like, let her fight her own battle sort of thing. Yeah. It's, well, let Rose fight her own battles. I don't know. I think Lissa doesn't fight many battles on her own. No, that's true. At least yet. I don't know. Maybe we'll get elsewhere, but. Yeah. Um, Lissa sort of counteracts this like he says oh but I did it for you and she says no you did it because it was forbidden and you wanted to be like the rebel and she sort of has the opinion that magic should be peaceful and not used for the off not used offensively and Christian sort of combats this by saying like the only reason you think that is because it's what you've been taught And that if, you know, if we used our magic offensively, 
we could defend ourselves against this Dragoy. Mm-hmm. And she sort of like doesn't really buy it, but I'm buying it. Well, yeah. And it's like, it's, she's so by the book and so by the rules so far, even though they did run away for two years, she still very much wants to follow every rule to the T. Yeah. Um, Christian sort of thinks that she's being hypocritical because she uses compulsion all the time. So compulsion is a, a power that Lissa has where she can sort of get other people to do what she wants them to. Um, and he sort of says, like, I noticed you using it on the teachers all the time. And he also correctly guesses that compulsion is probably how her and Rose enrolled themselves in schools, got apartments, and sort of lived their lives for those two years. Mm-hmm. Um, compulsion is considered bad, though. Like, it's not something that is okay to do. It is apparently, like, it's it's bad. You're not supposed to do it the same way. You're not supposed to use magic against each other. You're not supposed to use compulsion. Yeah. Um, and they say it's also impossible to use, next to impossible, to use on Dampier and Maroy, and you're not really supposed to use it against them at all. So really, you're only supposed to use it on humans, I guess. Yeah, I but think that's s- even still. It's it on, is still bad. It's frowned upon, yeah. I guess, unless it's like, hey, they're gonna find out about us situation. One would assume. Yeah, but what I mean is like, you're not supposed to use it at all. But if you did have to use it, it would only work really against humans. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Sorry. But at the same time, Lissa's using it in school. She used it against the headmistress a little bit. She used it as she's using it against other teachers. So obviously her compulsion is stronger. Mm -hmm. Which seems wild. Imagine having the balls to use compulsion against a teacher when... (laughs) Like, it's forbidden magic, basically. Like, that just seems wild. Yeah. Um, I guess after this, like, they're sort of like, I don't know if they're not really fighting, but it's like, you know how when you like someone, but you have this, like, angsty sexual tension with them? And, like, it's like those Hallmark movies where, like, the two main characters, they don't get along. And then all of a sudden they find common ground and then they start falling for each other. I feel like this is the same thing between Lissa and Christian. Yeah. Um, exactly. <laughs> so they have like a moment and he makes her feel at peace the same way that Rose makes her feel at peace. And remember that Rose is inside Lissa's mind right now. So she's feeling all of the things that she's feeling and recognizes that Lissa is feeling this same peace that she feels from Rose. So it makes Rose mad. Well, and she's also like confined to her room. Yeah. Can't be around people. So she's just, I think she's just feeling like, yes, mad is definitely how it feels to her. But I, I also feel like she's probably feeling a bit useless in this relationship. Like, she can't be helpful like she normally is. And like she was all Lissa had for two years. And now someone else is taking over part of that responsibility. And she can't be with her 24-7. Like 
in the first scene, their beds were right next to each other. Yeah. So it's got to be a lot to go from that to you can only see each other half in the the afternoons, Monday to Friday and Sunday you can sit in a pew. Yeah, that's true. Um, I guess she leaves Lissa's mind at this point and she's pissed. Like in my mind, I feel like she's jealous that like Lissa is meeting someone else that actually is good, like, somebody that makes her feel good things. Yeah. No, I I 100% agree that she's jealous. I just, I can understand why, but that doesn't make it okay. But I do think it's jealousy as well. Um, So I guess her being annoyed fuels her next few decisions. Um, She goes down to, I guess, the dorm lounge room and sees Jesse there. And sort of manages to tell him to meet her in like an unused, like, I don't know if it's like a study room or what it is, but it's a common room, really. Yeah, like a common room that they haven't really used in a while. Um, And like nobody ever goes in there. So she's like, here, like, go meet me here in like five minutes. So they meet in this room and... She enacts what she calls phase one of her plan. So she wants to get back at Mia for being a bitch. So she tells him in the like sloppiest, like mean girl sort of way, like, oh my God, did you hear that Mia's parents are practically the custodians of the Drozdov family? Mm-hmm. And, like, that's how I imagine her saying it. Yeah. Anyway, so that's sort of phase one of her plan is telling Jesse. Um, and she's hoping that he'll spread it like wildfire to make her, to make Mia. Um, Redundant. Yeah. Uh, and then all, they make out hot and heavy. <laughs> and as they're making out, she imply well not imply she says out loud i'm not having sex with you which i really admire about her yeah um she says she doesn't want to lose her virginity there to him she says that part in her head yes well yes she does not tell him that she doesn't want to lose her virginity to him there but she she says it in her head she does say out loud i'm not having sex with you Mm -hmm. uh but i think it's very brave yeah it's very bold of her to say like as she's making out with someone also fair i like yeah not the greatest place yeah um so i guess like clothes start to shed and he's trailing kisses down her neck and his fangs graze her neck and she lets out this gasp it's an involuntary gasp of anticipation so we said before that she was fed on by Lissa for two years and said that essentially being bitten is like better than sex. And it's mm. like this dopamine high that you can't help but be excited by. Yeah. So it was an involuntary gasp and her reaction made him realize that she's been fed from before and she's sort of trying to deny and say, no, 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 like, I definitely haven't. But obviously, 
he realizes that it was definitely the only way that her and Lissa managed the two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's sort of like, no, trust me, like, I'm not a blood whore. Um, and a blood whore is sort of a term that they use for uh, someone who uh, will allow to being fed on during sex. Yeah. And they, it's, it's always a dump here, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's supposed to be like very kinky, very like, um, another sort of taboo thing. Um, anyway, before much else happens, like she insists that she's not a blood whore, but before a whole lot else happens, Dimitri barges into the room to see them like half naked on the couch. <laughs> my favorite scene. It's not my favorite, but no, I do love it. Yeah. Anyway, he kicks Jesse out and like scares him enough that <laughs> like Rose is not concerned. Like Rose is like, oh, he'll never say anything about this encounter because he's so scared of Dimitri. Yeah. And then Dimitri sort of reprimands Rose and suggests that she should have more respect for herself. Uh, And then says, like, sleeping around with Maroi make her look cheap. But, like, I don't know how to feel about this. Because on one hand, like, I don't want to say I agree with him. I feel like a a woman's worth should not be tied up in how she... How she chooses to um like on what she chooses to do with her body Mm -hmm. however i don't think jesse was a good choice like yeah he's super hot but he's also like a dick yeah no i completely agree but i also think it's like it's so like why should it matter if she looks cheap in one in one sense of it, like there's, there's so many different like ways to look at it, but I'm like, why does it matter if she looks cheap? A, she's in high school and she's a child. So if she looks cheap, like, is that really going to follow her afterwards? And if it does, is that, is that a fair society? Yeah. But also if the rest of her life is going to be guarding Lissa 24 seven, when else is she going to fool around and have fun? Yeah. Never. Yeah, 100%. Like, and then on top of that, it is none of his goddamn business, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, right now, he is her trainer. And Lissa's guardian. Who Rose, like, fools around with? None of his business. Yeah, but I think this is, like, the first sign Yes, I know. But it just bothers me. And especially like, okay, coming at it from a teacher angle. I Can know you imagine a teacher calling a student cheap? No. Saying that they, like, that is... No, I would lose my job. Yeah. But like, it is not my job to judge students on their choice. My job is to support them in whatever they're doing and like try and guide them to a, a good choice for their health and safety. So yeah. like, you know, do I want to 
talk to 12 year olds about sex and being safe and using condoms and blah, blah, blah. No, because they're too young to have sex. However, it is not my decision. It is their decision. All I can do is give them the information and hope that they make good choices. So I guess Dimitri's not like, I don't know. I think he's being judgy in a way that he's not allowed to be judgy. 100%. There's my rant for the day. I I feel (laughs) like it's a bit more than judgy though, which I think we get into a bit after. Right. So... He also sort of insinuates that he's heard stories about her from, like, other guys, like, students. And again, like, it it really bothers me even more so because she is a virgin. Yeah. And she literally Which, like, just It shouldn't matter. Telling, it shouldn't matter. But he, she literally just finished telling Jesse, I'm not having sex with you. And now Dimitri is essentially saying you are cheap. Uh, you're sleeping around. I've heard about you from other guys. And it's like, what have you heard? That she likes to kiss? Like, big deal. Yeah. It's kissing. Yeah. Anyway. It, it's it's too much. But it's also like, like, it shouldn't matter if she slept with every guy in the school either. But also, I do appreciate the fact that she doesn't come back and be like, I'm a fucking virgin. Because, like, yeah. I 100% would have. Um, yeah. But I I just appreciate her as a character not caring that she has that reputation as somebody who would sleep with people because we've already said they don't get much of a life. So right now is their only time of socialization where it's not about like pumping babies out and then going to protect people. So I don't know. I just feel like there's too much in this scene. Yeah. Anyway, um, so she's just sort of sitting there in a bra and jeans as he, like, calls her out. And she sort of mentions in her head that it seems like he might be, like, checking her out, which sort of, like, makes her feel all, like, hot and bothered. (laughs) And I don't know, like, my logical brain is, like, girl, problematic. He's just finished calling you cheap. Yeah. But then just the way that it's written, you kind of can't help but be like, oh, <laughs> right. Well, I think she's pretty, but yeah. like, I feel like she's at a point in her life where like, that's one of the things that is like positive about her is her appearance and she knows it and she gets self-esteem from it probably more than she should. And it's, something that like I don't know I I think she's she has a lot of stock in her appearance which isn't a bad thing at all as long as you have the confidence to go behind it which I think sometimes she does but in this situation she doesn't so she's like oh he actually thinks I look as good as I thought I looked so I like I must like that is a like confidence boost for her that I think she needs yeah um, I just, I don't know. I just like inappropriate. It is inappropriate. <laughs> and it's, it's really hard to separate those two parts of my brain because, you know, there is a part of you 
the way the book is written, it wants you to root for the two of them together and it's hinting at them Mm -hmm. together. But on the other hand, you want to think logically with your brain and be like, this is a problematic relationship. No, I don't at all. Okay. (laughs) No, it's different though. It's different though, because like, like I think where the book is written and her point of view, I feel like if it's switched, I, it would be a bit weirder maybe where it's written in her point of view. I'm like, yes, all the way. But I do obviously see what you're saying, but it's just so hard to want anything other than what she wants. Yes. So I'm not even going to like entertain it. I'm not even (laughs) going to think about anything other than what she wants. Yeah. In this whole series. So, (laughs) well, and, and this is the thing too, like, you know, I, I do, I still want them to be together and I still love them together. But in saying that, I understand that this is a problematic relationship that I probably shouldn't root for, but I still do. Yeah. Anyway. Um, he sort of, he divulges a bit about his past at this point. Uh, and she learns that he was the top of his class and he was friends with some guy named uh, Zeklos. And he ended up like that's sort of how he ended up as his guardian. And he sort of said that it only took one slip up, one mistake for his friend to die. So I think we discussed last week uh, that um, Dimitri went on a vacation. He like had some time off. So he took some time off. And during his time off, uh, his Maroi died we're now learning that this was actually like his really close friend um and and you know he's upset about it um so to him he's saying guardians can't afford to have fun and he's sort of insinuating like you're only 17 but there's no fun for you like the maroi (laughs) always have to come first (sighs) sorry all i can think of is if they have sex, the Maroi has to come first. <laughs> well, that would suck if it, you're a female dampier. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I guess uh, Ro sort of agrees that Maroi do come first. And this almost feels like cultish to me. Very brainwashy. Yeah, Very brainwashy. Um about like oh they come first all the time and it's like no it should be a system of coexisting mm-hmm. um so he sort of says like if you're serious about learning to fight i'll teach you but you can't get distracted anymore no boys no partying nothing like that and she seems to really want his approval yeah so she agrees like she wants his approval more than anyone's and he's like, okay, we're going to add more training sessions because mm-hmm. can't really stop with the weight training. We can't really stop with the running. So we're just going to have to add in extra training sessions. And that was it. He like lets her go. Put your clothes on. Get back to your dorm room. Um, the next day, Rose and Lissa are passing notes because they don't have phone, like cell phones or anything. So she couldn't like text her and be like oh my god you'll never guess what happened 
So the next day they're passing notes talking about it. And the teacher legit reads the note out loud. Yeah. I had it happen a few times in my school. And one time, one of the boys in my class had passed a note that said, Madame, whatever her name was, is so bitchy. She must be pregnant. And she was, but we didn't know she was. It was like... But I can't imagine reading notes out in class. Like, just give people detention. Why would you? Yeah. yeah. Awful. Um, so the note was talking about how she hooked up with Jesse last night. Uh, it didn't really name names, but it was enough. Um, it was enough for most of the class to figure it out. Mm. Um, okay, so um, I guess... The teacher caught Lissa with the note. So Lissa is the one that got detention. Um, And she had to clean all the desks after class. Um, So I guess Rose has to leave on her own. And she hears people talking about Mia's sort of parentage. Now her parents are basically servants. So her Mm -hmm. plan is starting to work. um, And that like makes her happy. But She's also still hearing people talk about the Fox incident. And I guess sort of her goal is to make people forget about that and start focusing on Mia. Yeah. So as she's walking through the courtyard, she remembers the thing that happened a couple years ago. Uh, So they were, (laughs) yeah, they were in the woods drinking peach schnapps. Ooh. Right. (laughs) Uh, and so this is obviously Lissa and Rose, uh, and they're just like sitting and drinking and a teacher, Miss Carp finds them and escorts them back to the school and they find a dead ish raven in the courtyard and Lissa touches it and brings it back to life. And this was the incident that Rose mentioned earlier with the crow, but it was a raven um miss carp sort of freaks out at this and tells her never to do it again never ever tell anyone she did it ever and like just keep it to herself Mm -hmm. um so i guess rose sort of having a flashback in her mind as she's walking through the same courtyard in the present and all of a sudden her buddy mason approaches her And I guess by now, because gossip travels so fast in this school, it's insane. (sighs) He's annoyed that she hooked up with Jesse and they sort of argue. And in this moment, Rose realizes that he's jealous and has a thing for her. And I sort of feel bad because I love Mason. He's so supportive and cute and literally does everything for her. Yeah, I agree. And I just, I feel like it's a sin. He doesn't get what he wants. Um, So after they have their little argument, he ends up saying like, I went to the library for you and I researched St. Vladimir for you because you were looking into it. Um, And he says he couldn't find anything, but he suggests that she try and find some primary sources, which I love. (laughs) I love that they talk about this. Yeah. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, we learned about them in class yesterday. Were you listening? And she's like, 
No. <laughs> um, so she goes to her room, uh, thinking about like what he's told her, and she's disappointed that she doesn't sort of feel the way he feels about her. Like she wants to reciprocate those feelings, but she doesn't. Yeah. So it's just a bit sad. Yeah. So the next day, um, Rose and Lissa are in class and they, I guess, overhear Mia refuting the claims about her parents. It's just kind of sad that they, that Rose did this to her. Like even when Rose heard about her parents, she was like, I appreciate hardworking people, but I know it's high school and like, Mia's been a huge bitch, but it's it's still like you're just stoking the fire for back and forth. It's like a prank war. Like when is this gonna end? Yeah. Um they kind of discuss what they're gonna wear to the assembly that night, and um Rose is just like, I have I have no other clothes. <laughs> I have nothing nice <laughs> other than what I own now. So um but apparently the queen is gonna be there. And yeah, it's also All Saints Day. And um, it seems like they maybe always have an assembly on All Saints Day based on what they were talking about. But I don't think the queen is always there. But um, Rose, obviously, as we all know, has insane hours that she's putting in with Dimitri. Um, But... Like, you can clearly tell that she's crushing on Dimitri in in kind of these moments. Like, would she be so in love with him if she was allowed to hang out with other people? It's kind of like, because, like, she sees him for two hours, I think, before class. And then he's in the back of, or watching most of her combat classes, I think. He's in the back of some of her other classes, just being a guardian. And then he's teaching her for another two hours in the after school time. Mm -hmm. So like he's the biggest constant in her life right now. So I kind of feel like it's not odd that she is developing maybe some type of crush, but also needs his approval. And like, I just think it's kind of normal for a teenager in her situation. Okay. I... I completely, like, apart from the fact that, like, I don't know what she's like, what it's like to, like, be around one person that much when you're in high school and be completely isolated, really, from most other people in your off time. Mm. But, like, it's also quite normal to develop crushes on older people. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You know what I For mean? Sure. Like, yeah. It, like, to me, that's that's almost like a rite of passage. It's, it's a normal Especially, thing. like a teacher or a coach or something yeah i totally had a crush on a guy in his early 20s when i was in high school 100 percent. yeah now did anything happen obviously not but it's just it's 100 percent. i feel like it's it's almost like a rite of passage right yes no i i do think it's completely normal but i also think like her isolation from everybody is not, not helping the situation. 100%. So they're doing, they're, I guess they're at their afternoon practice, and Dimitri is teaching her moves to use against larger opponents, um, which is like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, you'd think someone would have taught her something about this by now in her life. I know she was gone for two years, but 
she's always been smaller one would assume but anyway clearly super useful um and dimitri tells her to try to use the moves on him and she obviously fails because he is so much more experienced than her um but he and she's she's like what did i do wrong and he just tells her that she did all the moves like correctly but he obviously knew what she was going to do because he just taught her them 45 seconds ago. Right. Uh, Rose in her head mentions that Dimitri is 24. So that's just a interesting point. Well, we all, we always knew that um, he was seven years older than her, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's what. Yeah. So we sort of got that he was around 23, 24, depending on where she was. Yeah. So he ends the practice and they start to walk away and she sees an opportunity to like surprise attack him. And if you've seen the movie, this is such a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, He catches her and pins her to the ground and she's like, what the fuck? I thought I had you this time. And he tells her that her battle cry (laughs) gave her away. I'm like, (laughs) Very funny. I think I would 100% do a battle cry if I was trying to do something. Like, I completely am in the same. Or I'd at least be, like, huffing and puffing enough that you'd, like, hear me whooshing through the air. I just imagine her, like, flying at him. I don't... Anyway. Yeah. Uh, They do kind of have a moment. Um, He stays literally on top of her for far too long. And she says that he's checking her out. Um, she mentions in her head that he's like all business during their training, but before and after he kind of like loosens up a bit. And she says he actually will look at her with admiration. So I guess during training, he is very straight laced to the point, Mm -hmm. but around it, he like maybe sees her as a person. Yeah. Um, she also says that she lives for his smiles, which is like super cute, but also like very sad because she says he doesn't give them often. Like yeah. he, he only, he only really has a real smile in those moments when he's not being serious. And when he is, <laughs> when he's small talking, we'll say. Yeah. Off the, <laughs> like off the clock. Yes, exactly. So yeah, she is super crushing on her mentor who's seven years older than her and I think she even says that phrase in her head she's like he could be he's old enough to be my and then she's like well nothing you're like I guess he could be your uncle or something like he's old enough to be something um and she she obviously knows it's a bad idea as anybody in that situation does but she she goes and gets ready and she goes to the commons for this assembly. And obviously the Dompier sit in the back and the Maroi sit in front of them. And then the Royals sit, the Royal Maroi sit in front of the non-Royals. So it's class, 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 class. Yeah. Um, we hear about how people either become king or queen. Um, the current queen because it is queen right now, can pick someone from a royal family who's not in her family, and the council can dispute it. 
but that rarely happens. So it's kind of democracy, but it's also not because the non-royals can't be picked and the queen has a bit more of a say. Do they mention whether, like, can it be, like, anyone from any royal family or it does it have to be, like, the head of the each? Do we get that? I forget. Um, I, I assumed that there was, like, princes and princesses of each royal family. I didn't think that there was only, like, one of each. I thought that, like... There no, many. I, no, so I, I, so I, no, so I thought that any of the princes or princesses could be chosen, was my understanding. But I don't know if we ever, because like Andre was Lissa's older brother. The way she made it seem is she made it seem like he would have been like it would have been on him, not on her. But why wouldn't it have been on her father? Or well, this her is mother? what I mean. I know, I know, and I'm like. I think her issue with Andre is she thinks that he should have been the one that lived in the... Yeah. Not her. Yes. But, yeah, so I, I don't actually know. Like, I feel like in their family, if her parents were still alive, it, like, one of her parents could be in contention, maybe. But, yeah, I don't I don't actually know if it's ever explained. Because the only other prince we meet is um, Victor Dashkov. Yes. So I, I, and he's one of the heads, I think, of that family. So it makes sense that he's a prince. So I don't know if like the oldest male gets the prince title and the oldest female gets the princess title, maybe. Because yeah, Lissa's the, the last Dragomir. Right. So obviously she would be a princess, even if there's many princesses. Anyway, yeah. all to say, I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll look that up at some point. Um, so the queen, his name is Tatiana, and she comes in and she has a bunch of guardians, of course. Um, she kind of stops to talk to certain students on her way to show her respect. And like Rose says that she'll like talk to a few of the guardians and then a few more of the non-royals and then obviously talk to more of the royals. But it's like a huge respect shown to the the student if she stops to talk to them and she stops to talk to Vasilisa Dragomir so Lissa and she tells her that her name comes from many heroines with such good traits and that the Dragomirs are fair royals who and this is an interesting sentence have killed Shrigoi fighting alongside guardians which we've already said is like super frowned upon and like very taboo. So it's just interesting that the queen brought this up during this little talk, whatever it is. I thought that it, she was sort of like praising them as a brave family when they were fighting and doing all that stuff. Yes. I, I think so too, but I do think that, that is what she meant, but it, it has to also be taboo that like you'd even talk about it. You'd think that it wouldn't be something that you would remember past Royals for if it's such a taboo subject right now. Yeah, maybe. It's just an interesting thing to th- say, I think. Yeah. So obviously 
this is all starting off real great. And Rose can feel that Lissa is like pretty proud of herself. And then it goes very downhill. And um, the queen tells her her names, like those names don't make her as a person. And that doesn't mean that she's going to follow along their paths. And obviously it's kind of like a slap in the face to Lissa at this point. And she said it in front of the entire school. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She's just so wild. Could you get any cattier? I'm going to insult a 17-year-old girl in front of her entire school. I'm the queen. The queen has no idea why she left. Like, I don't know. Just agreed. It's completely ridiculous. So basically after all the festivities are over, Lissa leaves immediately because she is very upset. And Rose tries to follow her but gets held behind a little bit on her way. And Natalie gets to Lissa first and is talking to her. Mm-hmm. And Rose kind of like stays back a bit, which kind of I think turns out to be good because um, like Natalie's actually doing a decent job of talking to her. And it's kind of surprising looking back at the few interactions we've had with her. Mm-hmm. But like you can tell that Natalie is a decent person in this scene and she's really trying to to help Lissa feel better. But <laughs> you can also tell that she's kind of like at one point fishing for the reason why they ran away and she's very not subtle about it. Yeah. <laughs> she's not subtle at all. No. Um we also just get a bit more of Lissa comparing herself to her brother, Andre. And you can tell that it's like a constant struggle for her because he was so perfect and he was so good at the politics and the royal bullshit. And she feels like she's never going to be able to do what he did. Um, but Rose does finally step in and she just calls the queen a bitch. And <laughs> it like startles Natalie because I guess you're not supposed to say that about the queen and also bitch is a bad word. (laughs) And Natalie leaves and says she needs to go find daddy. Gross. Yeah. No, thank you. Just the word daddy is unnecessary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Just hearing you say it like daddy. Oh, stop. (laughs) No. Um, let's not no rose says that she'll kill the queen which is just like such a show of roses like short tempered like just i'd act without thinking like what is your plan after that what is your plan yeah death because that's clearly treason but Rose can also kind of tell that Lissa's in a bad place right now. And she does tell her not to do anything she shouldn't. And we get a moment where she kind of like tries to look at Lissa's wrists and ask her, and she asks her if she's hurt herself since they've been back. And Lissa says that she hasn't wanted to. And she's actually doing pretty well. She obviously misses seeing Rose so often, but she's feeling okay. And she's apparently enjoying time. And she's enjoying spending time with Christian. 
Um, Rose is about to go into a rant about Christian when Mia shows up mm-hmm. and is just kind of like caddy for caddy's sake. Lissa's like embarrassed and sad already. And Mia's just there to be a bitch. Yeah. Um, Rose is like, she's so quick witted, but she's also just so mean. And like, I love her for it, but it just digging a hole here that is just going to come back and slap you in the face someday. Well, I guess this is like, this is the thing that Rose doesn't understand and sort of like doesn't, she needs to learn when to keep her mouth shut. Like, obviously there's a time and a place to be like, yes, to be uh, assertive and to fight back and whatever, but there are times when you should just, swallow it turn around and walk away you know what I mean like a hundred percent and she I don't know if she ever learns that in the six books if I'm being honest no so Mia makes a dig about Rose not knowing who her father is and also about her mother being super famous but never seeing her um I guess in kind of in response to I guess Rose says something about her parents and um that just that is just a bit of insight into I guess how Rose grew up because it's true and Rose even says it like hits a bit too close to home that she doesn't know who her father is and I guess the only interaction with her mother in the last at least two years and a bit has been an email saying that she's disappointed basically and that she's glad she's back so Maya, the, Mia kind of has a moment where she realizes that Rose is likely the one who told Jesse about her parents because she she's a pretty intelligent character for sure. And she thinks back and she's like, Jesse would never have known this. I don't know how she thinks that Rose found out, but anyway, she's not wrong, but she does figure it out and she she threatens both rose and lissa and like rose is kind of almost ready for a fight which is not a good idea because she's about to get kicked out of school basically but dimitri shows up and notices the high tension that's happening and comes over to rose and says that he's taking her back to her dorm because i guess she's also not really allowed out here right now because she's only allowed at events that are school sanctioned and her room right so she obviously has to leave Lissa which seems kind of sad because like Lissa only has so many friends and like by punishing Rose so much and Lissa didn't get punished at all for the escaping it's just like other than isolating her from her best friend, which is clearly not doing her well, but she didn't get any of the extra punishments that Rose got. But it just is very sad that she can't have a few minutes with her friend to like try to make her feel a bit better. Um, as Rose and Dimitri are kind of walking towards Rose's dorm, um, Christian kind of intersects their path and he's walking towards Lissa. And Rose stops him 
and is incredibly bitchy. Like she even says in her head that she's redirecting her rage from like her rage from the situation with Mia to him. And she also thinks that she hasn't really been able to get Lissa to listen to her about staying away from Christian. So she's going to just tell him and hopefully that'll keep them apart. And she, she basically just tells him that Lissa doesn't like him. She feels bad for him. And like, she wouldn't say any of that because she's just too nice, but Rose isn't too nice to say it. And Dimitri, like he does pull her out of the conversation, but I think it's a bit late. (laughs) Yeah. I just like, I just find that incredibly bad friending on her part. Like she literally has been inside of her head and has Mm -hmm. felt how Lissa feels around Christian and knows that he makes her feel good. Yeah. And she's ruining that on purpose, yeah. intentionally. And to me, that just seems like a really bad thing to do as a friend. Like, if you were actually a friend, I, like, I don't yes. know. I agree. I think the the awful part of this whole situation is, like, Rose is, a, is Lissa's guardian first, friend second. And she thinks that Christian is a bad influence, both romantically friendship and politically so i think she's like i need to protect her from him which i think is completely misdirected and not at all her place but i do think that's kind of where she's coming from in it still do not agree with the scene at all and like i don't even like reading it because it just makes me feel secondhand embarrassment yeah (laughs) uh so obviously she makes it back to her dorm and like later that night she wakes up and she's kind of trying to sort through her emotions and she realizes that she's feeling Lissa's feelings not just her own and she realizes she needs to get to Lissa but she also needs to go through the proper channels to get there because she has a third floor window right now so if she falls out of it she's not (laughs) going to do well (laughs) So she basically goes out into her hallway and asks the hall matron to get Dimitri. Um, Obviously, the hall matron is reluctant, but she eventually calls him or someone. And Dimitri shows up. And like you said earlier, he immediately suspects that it's something with Lissa. Like he does trust her on, on these things implicitly and like knows that she wouldn't fuck around when when it's about Lissa. She says that they walk silently to the Maroi dorm and um, Rose guides Dimitri and I guess the Maroi matron that they met on their way in um, to the bathroom. But she, she asks if she can have like a private moment with Lissa to kind of like chill her out a bit. And Dimitri agrees, which I, I think is super nice of him. Yeah. Um. When Rose finds Lissa, she's completely covered in blood, but she does realize that some of the blood isn't actually coming from Lissa. She had blood on her hands, and Rose can see that, like, she must have just accidentally rubbed it on her face, which sounds awful. You think that if you had blood on your hands, you wouldn't just rub it on your face, but that's another thing. <laughs> um, 
Rose goes to kind of like take her hands to help her clean up. And she does notice that Lissa is bleeding too. So I guess trigger warning here, but Alyssa has cut her wrists. And Rose says that she she clearly avoided her veins on purpose. Um, and like it isn't she isn't trying to kill herself in this situation. But Alyssa says that she couldn't stop herself. Uh, she she asks Rose to not let anyone else know because obviously Dimitri and the hall matron are um, are outside. So Rose rinses and bandages Lissa's wrists and gives her her hoodie before Dimitri and the matron come in. Um, Dimitri kind of runs to her worried because obviously he's in guardian mode and she has blood on her face. And... Um, she tells him that it's not hers and it's from the rabbit. And like both Rose and Demetra are kind of like, what rabbit? Like we're in a, <laughs> we're in a bathroom. I'm like, I, I'm assuming the second or third floor or something like what is going on. And Lissa tells them she cleaned it up. So Natalie wouldn't have to see it. And Demetra and Rose like have a look in the garbage can and it's, it's nasty. I'll say. Um, Lissa says that she came back about an hour ago and the bunny was torn apart in the middle of the floor and she cleaned it up. Then she couldn't go back to her room and kind of what she doesn't say and what Rose realizes and I guess feels from her is that she was over like so overwhelmed in the moment and so upset about earlier as well as this, that it kind of like compounded together and she cut herself. And just as an aside, I do want to say that this is obviously something that a lot of people go through, but if you're listening and you are struggling with something like this, please reach out to someone you trust, a helpline that's available in your area or like a medical professional. Um, I just like, I will say obviously yes to all of that the one thing that i think rose does as a disservice here is the fact that she sort of helps cover it up and keep it quiet Mm -hmm. like i think that is probably the least helpful thing that she can do a hundred percent and we do get some resolution later on in the book to that point but i i do think that it lissa would be in much better place going forward from this point if if they had have told somebody obviously yeah so apparently nobody should be able to get into these rooms like obviously Lissa's room where they left a fox on her bed and then this bathroom that is clearly the Maroi bathroom in their dorm so it seems kind of insane that this like is happening more than once how but like, um, but also, I feel like this should be the point when they're like clicking. It's not just a prank. But also, like, they should click in that it's obviously some form of inside job. Like, it has to be somebody that has access to the dorms all the time. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, like, start looking. Like, am I the only one that watches any crime shows? Like, do I have to go in and solve this case? I like start Probably, ca- yeah. start canvassing the dorm, man. What? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like. 
make obvious connections. <laughs> Can't do that. It's clearly just teenagers pranking teenagers. <laughs> so fucking dumb. Um, yeah. Dimitri, I think, is the one who, who asks, like, who's doing this? And Lissa pulls out a blood-covered note that was with the rabbit, I guess. And the note says, I know what you are. You won't survive being here. I'll make sure of it. Leave now. It's the only way you might live through this. Yeah. Which is, like, interesting. But if you think to the end of the book, it seems counterproductive to the narrative that happens. Well, Unless maybe they're trying to take her once she's gone. This is a very, like... To in my mind, this note is very like contradictory. Like the act of leaving the leaving the animals and is obviously very aggressive and like not nice. But hmm. then at the same way, in the same time, like this note, while threatening, also seems to be like trying to save her life. Like, yeah, you won't survive being here. I'll make sure of it that's the aggressive part but then also the leave now it's the only way you might live through this which is sort of an aspect of like i want you to live through this yeah yeah it that's yeah and if you like if you think too i just don't understand what well we know who obviously we finished this book we know who did this i just don't understand why they did this unless they want lissa and rose to run away again which is possible, mm-hmm. I guess. Maybe that would make things easier. But it just, I don't know. I think the note almost, I think the note is just for Rose, Lissa, and the reader. I think nobody else puts any stock into it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just trying to give a hint to the reader oh, through, <laughs> yeah, through Rose and Lissa. Yeah. Um, so Rose and Dimitri bring Lissa to the clinic, obviously, because she is very shaken up. And Karova shows up and starts questioning Lissa. And Rose kind of jumps in between them because Karova is a bit aggressive at this point. And um, Karova's like, why are you even here? Why are you always in the middle of everything? And Dimitri brings Karova to the hallway to talk to her. And when they come back in after a silent conversation outside, Karova says that Rose can stay for a while. And that, like, Lissa and herself will discuss the situation in the morning. So Lissa and Karova will discuss it in the morning. Ugh. She's such a... <laughs> I'm sorry, but Karova is a bitch and really not a good administrator. I just don't understand why she's even working there. Just seems wild. So Rose lies back with Lissa and she tells her that she won't let anybody find out about her wrists. Because um, Liz is kind of worried about that and she can feel it through the bond. Um, she does kind of like wonder why Lissa didn't tell her that she was feeling like she wanted to. Because she had promised Rose that she would tell her before she'd hurt herself again. And Lissa says that she wasn't planning on it, but she just got overwhelmed when she found the bunny. Um. Lissa says that she just wanted to let it all out because she felt like she was going to explode. Um, Rose comforts her, but she doesn't really understand how Lissa's feeling, which is 
obviously like super common with a lot of mental health issues in everyday life. Yeah. And everyone's experiences are very different. So it is very like relatable on the one hand of Rose to feel super helpless, but it's also relatable to feel misunderstood and afraid and a little crazy. Like Lissa, if you're ever in a situation where you do feel like you're overwhelmed and maybe depressed or anxious or anything like that. So it's, I do like that they, I guess, have that portrayal there Well, because it, it is very real. Well, and it also like, it's just one of those things where it feels, you just like, you feel like it's almost like a part of you. Like, you know, like, however, like, you know, I guess just going a bit forward in the book, she sort of mentions that she's, Lissa mentions that she sort of started feeling this way after her parents got into a car accident and died. And that's when she sort of started having these issues. And it just sort of like, it becomes so intrinsic to like who you are and you get so comfortable feeling a certain way that you sort of like, you sort of like don't understand how you could possibly not feel that way anymore. Yeah. So like, you know, yes, absolutely. If anybody is struggling with anything, yes, go talk to like a medical professional or something but like i get i get why people don't because it's honestly one of those things where it's like i literally always feel like this so how on earth could anything help yeah and sometimes it like comes on very slowly and then you're in it and then you're in it for a while and then you're like i didn't even notice i was in it so like yeah it's completely like i have read this book after I've experienced trauma or issues. And I, I do, I did find it helpful in some ways, obviously some of it is silly, but like I did find that I could relate to the characters and the issues, maybe not so much the high school stuff after your (laughs) certain age, but the rest of it, I just, I do think that it is a good portrayal and it probably is a good book for people in high school to read so that they have an understanding of anxiety in some cases, in depression, especially in the books coming up, there's more talk of depression and like outbursts based on that. So anyway, it's, I will say that this book is, it seems like it's ahead of its time in terms of mental health issues. Yes. Yeah, it it's it does. But then I don't know, we kind of find out that they're all based on magic in some way. So it's like it does kind of take away from it, but it doesn't because it's still I don't know. Yeah, you know what I mean? I know what you mean. <laughs> um, So Rose asks if Lissa tried to heal the rabbit and uh, Lissa says she did reach out, but there was so much blood that like she, she just couldn't do anything. And it honestly sounds like such a horrible thing to walk in on. I, I think I would just freak the fuck out. I don't even know what I would do. I would definitely not clean it up for sure. No, I would call somebody immediately. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Rose 
remembers Mrs. Carp, the teacher, telling her to stop Lissa from using her magic since it will it will get worse the more she uses it. And we don't really know what it is, but we can draw a few conclusions. Um, Rose also thinks about how Carp and Lissa are the only ones that have this kind of magic. Um, they've never really heard of anyone else able to heal. It's just the other normal elements that we've talked about before. And Rose at this point says that they should leave again. And like, I don't really disagree with her. Like they spent two years outside, like doing fine. And I think that if they can't feel safe in school, it's not a bad idea to just run away again. Mm-hmm. Maybe, they sh- maybe Lissa should just glamour Dimitri into taking them both away and they can just train away from everyone else. <laughs> uh, Rose kind of helps Lissa fall asleep. I, I'm sure she makes her feel safe and mm-hmm. she stays with her until like a matron comes to basically kick her out. And Rose kind of refuses because she promised Lissa that she'd stay with her. But the matron tells her that she promises that she will stay and she won't leave Lissa. So obviously she has to go back to her room. Yeah. Which again, I just feel like they should like make an exception and let her stay with her all night. I completely agree. Um, The next day, Rose is really worried that people are going to be gossiping about the rabbit but they're still gossiping about the queen bitching Lissa out. So it's like better, but not by much. <laughs> but it also seems like there's constantly something to gossip about. Yeah. And like, I don't remember high school being that bad. And I don't either, but I feel like the fact that they also live together is just like makes it even worse. Mm. Maybe if there's anybody listening that has gone to a private school in high school where you live in a dorm, please let us know <laughs> if yes. this is accurate. Alyssa uh, is, is feeling really dark about all the gossip. And finally, a boy in one of their classes like comes up to Rose, actually. And he says, I bleed for you, Rose. And... Maya cuts in and says that Rose is the one who does the bleeding and Rose kind of immediately realizes that they all know that she fed Lissa while they were gone. And it just like, she's very smart, obviously, Hmm. but she then in a not so smart move immediately blames Christian and Lissa doesn't think it's him. But Rose goes over to him in class basically to bitch him out again, which seems ridiculous. Um, Christian is clearly still pissed about last night when Rose told him that Lissa hated him and he still believes it. But he does tell them that Jesse started the rumor and Rose doesn't think that he would since he he's so afraid of Dimitri. But Christian tells her that that's not all that Jesse is saying. He's saying that Rose had sex with him and that Rafe had sex with her at the same time and that she let them both drink her blood during their threesome, which is like 
she doesn't care at all about them saying that she had sex with them other than she says that she would never have sex with the other guy Rafe (laughs) (laughs) but like the drinking blood during it is is very very taboo and she she obviously is not okay with that going around um Rose kind of walks over to Jesse and Rafe and confronts them and she says that it's clear that Jesse's kind of afraid of her, but Rafe tells her they only did what she wanted them to do. Which is such a shit line. Like, just makes you want to punch someone in the face. I'm very impressed that she doesn't. Yeah, I like, but see, this is the thing. Like, if the teach if the administrator was actually like a decent being. Mm. And, like, actually made the school a decently safe place, then she wouldn't feel the need to take it into her own hands and, like, punch them out. Yes. So, like, this is all on you, Karova. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Rafe also says that if she lays a hand on them, she'll be kicked out to go live with the other blood whores, which is just another slap in the face. But he's also right that if. If Rose does hit him, she's she's fucking gone from the school. Hmm. So so I don't know if we actually discussed like um, blood whores. Like we talked about, a blood whore is a, a dampier that lets um, Roy feed on them during sex. But there's also like little communities of blood whores that are really like the worst of the worst and they're sort of treated almost like brothels a little bit like that's uh, that's what we get from rose's head though yes but essentially she says that they're like little communities where dampier women are raising like dampier children until they go to school um but like in yes, according to Rose, Maroy men will just waltz on in and like pick one at random and just like feed on her and 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 use her sexually. Yeah. and so it's it's a very it's a huge insult to insinuate that this is what Rose is and this is where she'll end up. Yeah. And especially since, like, Rose is very of the mind that if you're a dampier, you should become a guardian. You shouldn't raise your children. You shouldn't worry about that kind of stuff. Like, you are supposed to be with your Maroi and they come first. Like, it's, you shouldn't raise your kids. And and she's also, she's a very talented female dampier, too. Like, mm. she's not chump change. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's a heck of yeah. an insult. Yes, exactly. And, like, I do think that it clearly has a worse name than it maybe is in practice. But there's there's people on every spectrum of <laughs> blood whore to dampier, I think. Um, so she surprisingly controls herself and she does back down. But because of that, people kind of the rest of the day feel like they can talk about her more openly because mm-hmm. she can't do anything about it. Yeah. And Rose basically goes through the rest of the afternoon ignoring everyone, including Lissa, and kind of like walks through like a zombie. 
when she goes to her room after uh, her training, she breaks down and cries. And she says it's not something that she does often. Um, Dimitri actually knocks on her door later, and he's clearly finally heard the rumors too. And he brings her downstairs, and Lissa is there. And he snuck her in. That was nice. Yes. Yeah. He snuck, um, he snuck them a little meeting together, which is super nice. But like, I also feel like Lissa maybe needed one of these at one point too. But Lissa, they kind of have a conversation, Lissa and Rose. And Lissa realizes that this is all Mia's fault. Like there's no way that Jesse and Rafe came up with this whole lie. Because as we know, Rose is a virgin and she has not let any men drink her blood while doing anything. Right. So she knows that it it has to be Mia that came up with it because she's the only one that's smart enough to actually think it up to get back at at Lissa and Rose. Um, Rose kind of knows that she's she's never really going to be able to come back for this from this. It's like such a hit on her reputation that. She actually is worried about it, um, which kind of, I guess, shows you that sleeping around is okay, but <laughs> being a blood whore is like way past the line, I guess. Yeah. It, so it it does, I guess, show how much worse that is. Yeah. Um, Alyssa kind of decides that she's going to be the one to take care of Rose this time, and she's going to take away what mia wants which is like being accepted by the royals which like didn't didn't we already try this (laughs) didn't you already try to do this and now this is where we are just you know i guess i guess we we need a we need a b story so (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i guess uh there's not enough it's not enough that her parents are are essentially (laughs) custodians of a of a royal family and i mean like big whoop-de-doo but it's not enough yeah so rose kind of realizes that what lissa means is that she's going to use compulsion on their classmates to get back at mia um and lissa's just like yep i'm gonna do that and take care of everything and rose is kind of panicking about it because she just remembers that carp was like don't let her use her powers and she doesn't really get a chance to talk to Lissa about it before Dimitri comes back and tell her tells her that she needs to go inside before somebody finds them yikes so it's a very panicky moment that we end off on really well yeah because Lissa's going to have to use a heck of a lot of compulsion to worm their way out of this rumor yes like this is actually a career ruining rumor in high school which shouldn't be possible and is awful (laughs) but that's where we are yeah and we're like what like three months into the school year (laughs) yeah it was just all souls night so yeah don't like it no um on that note That wraps it up for this week. So uh, if you want to get in touch with us and share your thoughts on anything you heard in our episodes 
Or if you have any book suggestions, you can email us at coffeeandcoread at gmail.com. And be sure to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Coffee and Co Read. And next week, we're going to be reading chapters 13 to 18 of Vampire Academy. So make sure to follow along. And if you're enjoying our little chats, don't forget to follow, rate, and review wherever you find content. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you on the next page.